Okay, my apologies to the parents and the children. I did not factor in personally by shifting communion later. The kids would be in longer, so my apologies. We'll fix that for next Sunday. So um, we all get it wrong sometimes. Hey, so we're going to fix that for next Sunday. So next week we're going to have communion for the kids in the building there. And someone will be on to do that and lead the kids personally and more intimately in their own communion in the kids' building next Sunday. Father, thank you for our kids. I thank you that they're warriors, they're champions. Father, I thank you that they're blessed of God. And I pray for a great learning message that will impact their hearts for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, nice, nice. Who, who likes coming first place? If you want to be honest, if you don't mind, that's all right. If it's not you. Who likes coming first place? I like coming first place. <laughs> Winning the prize, getting that thing first. You know, who, um, when you get a whole roast chicken, who goes straight for the breast? Because there are people out there, you know, we're all strange, we're all different, but there are people out there that just are the first ones to grab the breasts. And the rest of us, we have to deal with the wings and the legs and the thighs. And, and so, you know, I think sometimes if you are a breast taker of a chicken, uh, predominantly, if that's your habit, you know, sometimes do it every second or third time and give the other people a bit of a go. Give other people first place because we want to give God first place this morning. We all like coming first place. Our first scripture this morning is 1 Corinthians 9.24. The need for self-discipline. Do you not know that in a race all the runners are running? We are running together, church. We run together in the race. But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. And so I want to say to you this morning that our job is to run together effectively with all of our uniqueness and our differences. How do we work together cross-generationally? How do we work together male and female? <clears throat> There's a real challenge right there. Women, you've got to feel sorry for us men. We, yes you do, scientifically you better feel sorry for us men because men have 20 times more testosterone in their bodies than women do. So sometimes women look at us and they go, why are they getting a little bit more angry than we do and why do they handle... It's Honestly, it's because we have more testosterone. It's not an excuse, it's just a reality of life. Why do women cuddle more and tear up more? It's called oxytocin. It's the cuddle hormone. So when you've got men trying to get together working with women, that can be a challenge. You've got testosterone working with oxytocin. There's a challenge there. Then you've got cross-generational challenges. You've got background challenges. You've got Fijians marrying Aussies. You've got Aussies marrying Fijians. You got Dutch people marrying German Austrian people. And so in life, I have found that we're all running the race together, but it is up to you and I to work through our differences for the glory of God because we need to do this together. We need to do this together, not separately. 
The minute we all get together separately and have separate visions, like I said last week, it's the land of division. And Jesus said, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Cannot stand. A kingdom divided against itself, a people divided against itself cannot stand. So our series this month is Above Only, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In our beginning, in our everyday beginning, God. In my adversity, in my struggle, in my celebration, in my weakness, in my strength, God. We put God first. God created the heavens and the earth. God created us out of the dust of the earth. It says he breathed his spirit into man. Breathed his spirit into man. Having a connection with man. In the beginning, God. God should be at the beginning of everything. Everything that we do. So the first way, the only way to run in such a way to get our prize is to always put God first. I'm tackling the big picture of where do we put God. My wife next week is going to be preaching on honouring God through relationships. How do we honour women? How do we honour men? And how do we honour kids? That's next week. How do, we honor, how do women honour other women? How do men honour other men? How do we honour opposite genders? How do we honour children? How do we honour grandparents? That significantly tells you and I about how much we honour and love God. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. God is the answer always when we run out of questions. God is always the answer when we run out of questions. When you're in a place in your life and you need to get out of that spot, that fix, and you've got no more questions to ask, keep running back to God. He loves you. The first thing I want you to know about God is God is love. God is love. God loves you. God loves me. There is nothing that you and I can ever do to get more of God's love. He has given it everything to you and I. You can't gain any more of God's love than you already have. He proved it 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And He loves you to the full degree. But our job as Christians is, do we please God? Because God may love us, but do we actually please God with our actions, with our thought life, with what we have to say? And that is our journey as a church. We need to have a revelation about how much God loves us. And out of that, out of that revelation of God loving us, then we can walk into let's please God together. Let's forgive each other. Hey, that's a good start. Let's forgive each other. Wouldn't that please God if we could forgive each other? I forgive Beck, she forgives me. I forgive my children, they forgive me. I forgive my mother-in-law, she forgives me. <laughs> I reckon when our sons-in-laws and mother-in-laws have unity, heaven just arrived on earth. <laughs> and vice versa. 
So, but it's not always possible, but we go to God with everything. You know, what is the one main thing all the shooters had in common with America? You know, all those high school shootings that we see on TV, those people that get their guns and they say, well, let's outlaw guns, then we'll fix the problem. Well, you know, that just doesn't work. Whether we outlaw guns or we don't outlaw them, let's get to the root of the problem. What was the number one thing that drove those young men to load up bullets and spray them and kill teachers and people and security officers or other people. There's one common thing. They either had no or next to no relationship with a loving father. That was the number one trigger in commonality. They've studied it. They've studied it. I can walk into a prison tomorrow and... and People trapped in prison will send their mums a Mother's Day card. I can go there. Father's Day. I guarantee you, the majority of these young men and women will not send their father a Father's Day card because the father was not there or he wasn't there enough. And then it's driven our society to a place where young men and women do these horrific things because the father has been devalued and taken out of the equation. And so what we all need to do today is get our focus back on God. I want to talk to you about the results of making God number one. The results. Because there are results when you make God number one. And so my first part of the message is who's your daddy? Who is your daddy? Who? Do you know who your daddy is? Who is your daddy? Is your daddy... You know, Centrelink is your daddy, your provider, other people out there, or do you choose your daddy to be God today? Daddy, I love the word daddy because it signifies a loving relationship between a creator and his creation. We want to please God. We want relationship. Do you know who your dad is? He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is a provider. He's a healer. He's a comforter. He's the most high God. He's a forgiver. He wants to be right, you to be right in his life. That's who our God is. God's not up there. There'll be a time where God will judge the earth. But God is not up there right now. His greatest joy isn't to beat you with a stick or laugh at you when you fall down. His greatest joy is that you come back to his goodness and change your ways. That's God's greatest plan for your life. And it's my love for God that makes me a better husband. It's my love for God that makes me a better dad. It's my love for God that drove me to somehow help find a way for Albert to get his car. It's my love for God that I just every day, new people, new opportunities, Win the loss to Jesus Christ. Because I love God, I want to do right by God. Because I love God, I want to be the best Christian man that I can be. Out of my love for God. See, in Exodus, I love this about God. Exodus 34, 14 says this, Do not worship any other God. Cars, relationships, lifestyle, Centrelink. Facebook, do not worship any other gods for the Lord whose name is Jealous and Jealous God. 
I love the fact, I love the fact that God loves me so much, he doesn't want to share me with sin. God loves me so much, he doesn't want to share me with fear, with discomfort. He doesn't want to share me with, with unbridled aggression. God doesn't want to share me with that. God doesn't want to share me with, he wants to be number one. He doesn't want to share me with anything else that's going to take me away from love. God jealously loves you. Jealously, jealously loves you. He does. Wake up in the morning and have a revelation. God jealously loves you. When you look in the mirror, if you don't love you, that's okay. Fall in love with God first and then you'll learn to love you. If you come up to me or somebody else and say, I don't feel loved. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the truth is you need to love God and realize He loves you a whole lot more. Because if you can do that, one day you'll look in the mirror and you will love yourself. If you can't love yourself, then have you really fallen in love with God? Because it's a chain reaction, isn't it? If I love others, I love myself. If I love myself, I love God. If I love God, I love myself. If I love myself, I can love others. And we just keep going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Just continue with the flow and the link in your life. And so if you're struggling out there, get back to basics and get back to God. Matthew 22, 37 to 40 says this, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. It didn't say, You shall love the Lord your God, Facebook. You shall love the Lord your God, wife. You shall love the Lord your God, pastor, leader, friend. You shall love the Lord your God, Jehovah. Jireh, my provider, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is like it. I love this. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. Then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So scripturally, you can't love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Anybody you look at. My wife's my neighbor. Mother-in-law's my neighbor. You're my neighbor. Do we love our neighbours as ourselves today? Because when you put God first, you have to love yourself. When you put God first, you have to love your neighbour, even when things aren't. But how do you do that? It's only through God. I can't do it in my own strength. It's only by me aggressively, passionately chasing after God that I can do these things. I can handle more pain insignificant, insurmountable amount of pain, significant amount of pain, because I love God. And the more that I love God, the more pain that I'm going to be able to handle that comes my way. Love God. Love yourself. Love others. And I love this. On these commandments depend whole law on the prophets or hang. So everything you need to do in life are those three things. Love God first, love yourself second, love others third. It's all you need to do. I don't want to speak ill of my wife to other people because that's not loving God. I don't want to put my affection into things that shouldn't be mine, lust after things that shouldn't be mine because that 
is not putting God first and loving God first. So when we put God first, everything lines up amazingly. If you truly love God, then the ultimate evidence is how you show love to your neighbor, how you show love to your wife, your husband, your kids, the school principal, your work employer. How you love God is how you display that and outwork that wherever you go. I just read it to us in the Bible. It's heavy and it's true. The ultimate test to show how much we love God is the way we treat our neighbor. The way we treat a teacher that has made a wrong decision about our children. The way that the policeman handled us when he, he falsely maybe accused us or got it wrong. How do we handle adversity? How do we handle change? That says how much we love about God. This is not a condemnation. This is just reality. Society seeks out to reduce God in all areas. Put God first in everything. Personally, marriage, family, job, eating, habits, tattoos, thought life, your words, actions. Everything that you do, just say, God, are you number one with my tattoos? And, and I'll clarify this. Michael's got some tattoos. But his tattoos maybe aren't the tattoos he would have gotten now. But what Michael's got is a tremendous testimony of where he came from, what transformed him, and he can use those tattoos for the glory of God to point people to Jesus Christ. So I'm not against tattoos, but I'm saying that when you're a Christian, everything you do, you factor in with God. You factor in your tattoos, you factor in your diet, You factor in your relationships. You factor in how much time you spend with certain kinds of people. You factor in everything. When you come to God, you say, God, the way that I'm dressed today, did I put you first? God, the way I'm dressed today, is there anything offensive by the way that I dress for the occasion? I wouldn't wear a bikini. (laughs) You know, in the middle of town, if I was a female... You wear swimming costumes at the beach. But when we put God first, it should permeate in every area of our life. The way that we dress, the the way that we talk, the way that we mark our body, the way that we drive our car. Give your kids permission and your friends permission when they're in the car to tap you on the shoulder of the leg if you're going too fast. Tap people on the shoulder If they don't stop at a stop sign, tap people. Live your life as if every day you woke up and you had a strong Jesus Christ label on your shirt. If everybody knew that you were a Christian driving that car and you represented Jesus, would it change the way that you drive and I drive? Just the thought. (laughs) Put God first. And I think the problem is what's happened in our society. We've presented Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. And what I'm saying to us today is we we need to focus on Jesus as Lord first. The Savior's the... that, That part's easy. It wasn't what was hard for God, but let's... Get back to Jesus Christ is Lord first. And then the more he is Lord in your life, 
the more you appreciate what you were saved from. See, a lot of people chasing the Saviour part, but they don't acknowledge that He is Lord. You know, this is not a show, this is real. If you don't bow to Jesus, you'll bow to something else. If you don't submit and bow to Jesus, you will bow to something else, I guarantee it. You'll bow to your emotions, you'll bow to your feelings, you'll bow to, you know, wrong injustices that, that you can get offence over, you'll bow. But I, we're after a group of people that are unashamed, that will kneel before God, that will lie before God, that will raise their hands before God. He is my number one. He is my everything. You know, how have I made it for 20 years just as a Christian man who's made mistakes along the way? It's because my number you talk to my wife, my kids, I am obsessive about God, obsessive. He invades every part of my mind and my mindset. And every day I'm more in love with Jesus today than I ever was. The book of Revelation talks about this one thing I have against you. You have left your first love. Don't leave your first love. Keep your first love. And if you've walked away from your first love, get it back. Get it back. Because loving yourself and loving others will never be right until you come to God first. And I'm going to end on this powerful psalm. Going to finish on this powerful psalm. I just, it's amazing. It'll hit you straight between the eyes. It's aggressive. Uh, it's offensive. And that's why I chose it. Because it's not my words. It's the Bible's words. It says, Psalm 14, 1 to 5. It says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. The fool said in his heart, There is no God. Listen to this. When you don't believe in God, when you don't have God in your life, this is the result the Bible says. These people become corrupt. They do sinful works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside People who don't believe in God. It says it again. They have together become corrupt, sinful, depraved. There is none who does good, not no one. It says, have all the workers of iniquity, sin, no knowledge. It even says that when you don't believe in God, it says you don't have knowledge. The result of not putting God first where he needs to be, corruption creeps in. Sin creeps in. Friction, distractions creep in because God is not number one in our life. This is what happens when God is not number one in our life. This is scary. Who eat up my people as they eat bread? People who do not fear God, who do not put God first or love God, they are out to get other people. In the vet surgery, my part-time job, I see a number of clients come through and a number of them suffer from manipulation control. And they carry that with them and they come into our vet surgery, which is a Christian vet surgery, and they bring that spirit into our vet surgery and the staff 
know straight away what they carry and we don't put up with it in the vet surgery. Sometimes the person is so full of something, we have to take their dog out of the room to get control over the dog. Sometimes you, you think about that, but animals quite often carry, carry what the owners are. Animals do that, so we have to remove the animal out of the room. Sometimes if a client tries to bully us or manip manipulate us, we have trained our staff how to handle those people in a righteous, loving way, but we identify it quickly and we do not put up with, please, when you, God is number one, do not put up with any control or manipulation or whoever does that to you. If someone is trying to control or manipulate, manipulate you, it's called abuse. And there's no room for it when you love God. There's no room for it when you love God. Abuse is abnormal use. Anytime you get a person and you abnormally use them beyond their capacity, that is abuse. And I want to encourage you. The world out there is full of abusive relationships. But when you have God as number one, you get the strength and the courage to see it and then do something about that and cut through it and make a way, change your ways because we want people to get out of that. And the last thing I want to read in that scripture is, and do not call on the Lord. There they are in great fear for God is with the generation of the righteous. And so one of the results of not having God as number one in your life is great fear great fear and I want to encourage you today if you, if you have a whole bunch of fear and anxiety don't beat yourself up don't condemn yourself run to God run to leaders run to Christians who love you and find out all the practical things you can do to fall in love with Jesus because perfect love perfect love casts out all fear so if you're dealing with these things, don't just go, oh, well, God's not number one because I've got fear in my life. No, it just means you've got to get so much closer to God because perfect love drives out all fear. Drives out all fear. I know this is a strong message, but I, I want it to set you free. For God is the, with the generation of the righteous. When you put God first, you are part of the generation of the righteous, the ones who make God smile, the ones who please God. Can I encourage you today, we're going to say a prayer right now. When I spoke to the men two weeks ago, we had nine men last Wednesday night, 11 men the week before Wednesday night. We're getting lots of men Saturday morning. When I spoke to the men... And they talked to me about vision. I said, my vision for my life every day is I want to make God smile over every decision and thought, and thoughts that I have and actions that I have. The way that I talk to all of you, the way that I handle adversity, I want to know the one who I love the most is smiling over all my decisions in life, my relationships, my finances, Everything that I do, I want, I need, I crave God to smile over me. And that's my prayer for you today. Father, I thank you for our church. I thank you, Lord, that we are on a journey.